You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Merciful. Assalamu Alaikum. May peace and blessings of God be upon you all. Welcome to the Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam Radio, where we bring you uh, every Thursday uh, Drive Time Show. We bring you two um, topics that we did that we discuss. Um, I've got in studio with me uh, co-presenter Fahim Nasir. How are you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you? Alhamdulillah. We've got a special show today, huh? Yes, of course. Mm. Um, yes. So, in I think we should uh, in the first hour, of course, we're discussing um, science and uh, you know promoting peace and development, base basically. And in the second hour, we have um, something close to your heart. Something close to my heart, of course, because we're working on this for a very long time. Uh, this is um, the official launch of the history uh, website of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community UK um, which was launched by His Holiness uh, the current Khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community last Friday on the 4th of November so we'll be looking into this Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been some time you know that that, that, that we've been working on it and yeah. uh, hopefully it you know as His Holiness said that it, it, it become a benefit for for not just the members of the community but you know also external yeah. Uh, people as well, non non Ahmadis. We'll discuss that later. Let's um, let's go forward uh, with the program that we have today. So, science, um, you know, promoting peace and development. Mm. Um, you know, Allah the Almighty, we know that has instructed us, you know, time and time again, um, to basically create peace in the world, mm. uh, right? And 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 this vision of God, you know, that is given in the Holy Quran, with, because we speak about it often here, right? With with reference to peace is uh, you know for instance in chapter fifty nine verse twenty four we find where Ladimati says uh, he is Allah and there is no god beside him the sovereign uh, the holy one the source of peace the bestower of security the protector the mighty the subduer the exalted holy is Allah far above that which they associate with him so of course I mean science and religion is is you know is all is is the debate of let's say to the last. <laughs> I don't know yeah. since since how long. I yeah. mean, since science since has, has time, yeah, yeah <laughs> since since science have, have basically come about. But, <clears throat> but that, um, that's that's why I have a first question for you. I, I wanted to straight ask. to questions. Yeah, you know, I'd come straight on, straight to questions all day today. Mm. No, um, I, what would you say to people who say that science and religion just can't work together? That that's a very interesting interesting uh, one for, for me because often sometimes you know I'm I'm driving in my car, when, especially when I'm alone, and I'm asking myself these questions. And I'm answering these questions. I'm like, if if this question is asked, how would I respond? And it's it's interesting. With some, you know, you you can you can of course answer <clears throat> the fact that we believe that you know um, science is, is 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 the action of God, right? Um, mm. Whereas religion is the word of God, right? And there is no contradiction in it. But the but but the reality is, if there wasn't any contradiction, then why is it the case that there is so much discussion happening? There's debates and all of these things, right? Now, my take on this is is that if religion, the way it is presented today in the world and it, the way it is portrayed uh, in media and the way it is understood, right, if 
if that is what is religion, then if I was an atheist or if I was someone, you know, look, 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 looking from that side of things, then there is clearly a contradiction. I think, let me repeat myself. If religion, the way it's being portrayed, hmm. or it's, or sometimes, you know, you could even say if, 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 if it's being practiced, um, if it is that, what we apparently see, then there, there are obviously questions. There are obviously contradictions. But the fact is, there is a difference. And this is where the, the belief of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is very, very different. We don't believe that there is, uh, there is any contradiction in the word of God and in the, in the act of God. But then you have the whole discussion on theories, you know, hypotheses, uh, you know, and, and, and having to then, you know, prove that, which, which, which often change. Right, yeah. and there are things in religious scriptures. To you have to be very honest, that uh, you know those that are reading them do not know, and and it were it is a responsibility of them because you know we have a verse in the Holy Quran we were going to come to that. But since you've asked this question, is 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 one of the signs of believers is that they they ponder, hmm. um, you know, um, on on the uh, you know on the making of the heavens and the earth. Right and, and and the advancement of knowledge and all all of that which is mentioned in Islamic traditions and that brings in the golden age of Islam and and yeah. what brought about all of that right so it, correct me if I'm wrong so yeah. you're saying that you can understand why someone who has seen the way certain people practice religion yeah it, that there is they you can understand why they see a difference between uh, science and religion and that it can't exactly right because of the way religion has been portrayed by the media by the practicing of, of it in certain circumstances absolutely there could be various reasons so there are, there are theological reasons where let's say I'm just going to give you one example where we say you know for instance there's a verse uh, in the bible where, where it says that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and the seventh day he rested hmm. right to now if someone takes that literally six days like it doesn't make you know it, it's like no it don't make sense hmm. I mean but we know when we go to the Holy Quran, where Allah the Almighty also speaks of a similar sort of statement, but but that is not translated as six days, is talked about as six stages, yeah. right? But there's no such thing mentioned with regards to resting because God can't. God, there's yeah. no need. There's no. There's no need for because God to that rest. that very much goes against His attribute, right? That 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 is, that is an attribute of a creation, not a creator. Well, uh, a being that is all powerful doesn't need to. Rest. Exactly. So right. that's the point. Uh, you know. I was, I was I was trying to make but I think this is this is very interesting this is what the promised Messiah promised Messiah's emphasis was because at the, at the time when he appeared um, you know we're talking of and you know of course he was born in 1935 as as we know but th- I mean from one thing that comes to mind in his time where you know one of these uh, something called philosophical society we're going to discuss that in the sec- second hour but it's very much related to this as well this was a society that was was sort of created to combat the attack of atheism upon Christianity mm. at that time so these people were really worried. I mean, you've you know you've 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 got these these, uh, you know now you know at that time uh, you know in the nineteenth, uh, the early twentieth century where you have, you know it was way before that. But I'm, I'm talking about this this, this specific uh, you know um, philosophical society, the Theosophical Society. It, uh, no, it was called the Philosophical Society at Victoria Institute. Okay. So this is where they were def- you know having uh, you know meetings and and, and they'll publish you know material that would defend the Bible or mm. or Christ- Christianity. And it's the case even within Islam as well, where you have beliefs such as the the physical ascension of a human being um, to the heavens, right? Um, which is not it, it can't be explained. But that now it's it's because it's, it's so interesting because because the fact that there are 
from the Hindu Muslim community's perspective and from a religious perspective, there are something called miracles. Mm. There are extraordinary events that do take place in the in the in in you know in the in the lifetime of a prophet, which which, which do uh, you know serve as a as a testimony for his truthfulness. That is there, but to say everything that's there has to be taken literally. That's 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 mm. that's not the case. So I think a, a, a deep analysis and you know a, 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 you know a deep study of or of what you actually believe in, right, has to be done. And yeah. it shouldn't be taken just, you know, uh, at face value. Yeah. See, this is where, um, see, I think, uh, like, personally, I can see why there is, um, why science can be at odds with religion. And mm-hmm. that's because religion, mm-hmm. in its core and in its principle, <coughs> relies on faith. Mm, right? Good point. So if science is only about fact, and if, for example, it was mm. proved by science tomorrow that in fact God exists mm-hmm. from some <coughs> scientific proof, yeah. then where would the faith be in that? So you would need, so there will mm-hmm. always be that ambigu- ambiguity, yeah. right, to a certain degree, degree because yeah. there, you need to have that faith. Look, right? I, I, I do want to address that because that's such an important point you, you brought up. And I think this is something that Prophet Society has discussed. Now, faith, its beginning, it's um, the faith as we know religion, what we refer to. I'm, I'm talking particularly from the Muslim commu- community here. People can have their own views, right? Mm-hmm. Faith, um, you know, as you said, it, ha- it has some sort of belie- believing in something that you don't know. Like you, you have this, that's what you call yeah. it. You, you call it faith, right? Now, the Prophet Messiah explains, uh, when I say Prophet it means the founder of the Andean Muslim community, he says that faith, the beginning of faith, is is believing in something um, that is not that you you're, you don't have conviction of. Mm. It is a journey. It is not the end. So it is not to say because we have you know uh, mentions many uh, mention of verses in the Holy Quran which speak about conviction. But then now comes in the point: what is it that serve uh, serves as an evidence? Because you could be you know you could be asking for an evidence that does not fit in. In that sphere, mm. right? Now we don't taste with our eyes; we see with our eyes, yeah. right? We don't hear with our nose; we smell with our nose. Are you getting my point? Yeah. So, so we have different senses for different things. Now, if you tell me I would only believe that your nose exists if you can see through, if I can see through it, <laughs> yeah. Are, are you sense. getting my point? Yeah. Right. So, spiritual like matters. And and uh, there there has to be different means in place in order for us to reach conviction. But that is not to say that there are not any means in place to reach that con- conviction. No. So there are two separate things. Yeah. Are you getting my point? 100%. So so the promised Messiah says, just as a, you know, it's just an example that I want to give. Just as a student when he goes to a school, um, and you know the teacher teaches him two plus two is four, but he says no, it's, it is five. Mm. If at that very instant you know, in, uh, instant. He does not trust his teacher. There's no, there's no trust element at all. Do you think he can become a great mathematician? Are you getting my point? Yeah. So there has to be some level of trust, right? And there also has to be toil and 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 for you to work hard towards it. Because just as we see in our physical life, nothing is attained without hard work, without with, you know, with uh, with blood, sweat, and tears, as we you know, as as we refer to it. You've Influencers speaking about hard work, and resilience, and mm. determination. Right? They say motivation is just a temporary thing; it comes, comes and goes. But you have to be determined. Mm. You know, you you have to be consistent. These are all the things that we also need in our spirituality. 
So in order to reach conviction, Pramusasai explains this, mm-hmm. in spiritual matters, it's, it also requires the same you know, rules, but the conviction would come directly from God in, in, uh, in form of answering your prayers, in po- in, but but that that would not serve, and that's why it's very interesting from the Indian Muslim point of view. And I want I want to end here. I don't want to go too long about it. Mm. He says that <clears throat> as far as any other, you know, uh, evidence for the existence of God, whether it's cosmological, any scientific sort of evidence, it only takes you to a, to a stage where you can say God should exist, mm. right? But it doesn't take you to a stage God does exist. He says it is only the prophets of God that say God does exist. Because of their communion with him, yeah. right? Because of their prophecies that come true, and it's not coincidence that one or two, three things, but numerous, right? So that basically, you know, puts into uh, perspective. I mean, j- just just explaining the you know the beliefs of the Indian Muslim community, of course. Yeah, um, and and today, you know, why are we why are we talking about this? Uh, on every tenth of November, we have World Science Day for Peace and Development, and it's celebrated, which. Uh, highlights the significant role of science in society and the need to engage the wider public in debates or on emerging, uh, on emerging scientific issues. Mm-hmm. It uh, also underlines the importance and relevance of science in our daily lives. But I think uh, we're going to go over to our first guest, right, mm-hmm. um, before we go on to more of this subject. Mm-hmm. So we do have on the line with us uh, Dr. David uh, Schley, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, who is a deputy director of Sense About Science. With a short introduction, Assalamu alaikum, may peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. So, we're discussing um, you know, science promoting peace and development, and the questions that we have for you is first of all, what is sense? Uh, uh, you know, what is sense about science? And and what does it actually do? Um, yeah, very happy to tell you that. Um, I mean, we're an in- independent charity, and we promote the public interest in sound science and evidence. Mm-hmm. So what that means in practice is we work with dis- decision makers and researchers, but also community groups to basically raise the standard of evidence that's used in public life, especially around sort of difficult or misunderstood issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know we th- we think that science is the best way to describe the world. And, and how we want to see it. Um, so our focus really is on how society can use science better rather than promoting a science just for its own sake. Um, although, as I said, most of us are very you know, passionate about science as well. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, how can you know, basic sciences, let's say, you know, help achieve sustainable development? Um, it's a good question, and I think you know the UN World Day. Um, I think highlights the need to, to engage the wider public in in that debate, especially mm-hmm. around emerging scientific issues. Um, and I think this comes down to um, showing and asserting the public interest in good science. Um, as I said, I think you know science is the best way to describe the world, um, mm-hmm. but we need everyone to have access to that and engage with it. You know, and I think for us, there's a number of ways of doing that, and I think it is about um, not making it exclusive. So um, if I can give you a couple of examples, for example, we have a Voice of Young Science Network, which is over 6,000 sort of young early career researchers across Europe mm-hmm. um, who have committed to playing an active role in public discussion of science mm-hmm. um, and helping um, the public and the media kind of change how they perceive it and in particular help pos- policymakers kind of take account of the best evidence. So I think their role is not just to 
you know, you know, t- tell you the latest novel discovery. But really, you know, we want to help everyone think about, okay, um, you know, this issue is important, you know, be it climate change or, or, or you know, be it air pollution in your neighborhood and think about, okay, what's the evidence to help us make the best decisions we can around this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, and for us, you know, it's, there's a real bit responsibility for our politicians to do that. So, for example, next week we are running Evidence Week in Parliament mm-hmm. where we bring together constituency MPs and researchers to look at how Parliament scrutinises the evidence behind those big important policy decisions that are made mm-hmm. so we, that we know that, you know, um, when a big policy is announced, it's not just on someone's gut feeling, but, you know, we know it's the best available evidence and it's, you know, maybe the policy changes in a couple of years' time when we have new information, but at this point in time, it's the best decision we can make based on what we know as a society. Right, Doctor. And um, how can we use science to promote peace and development in the world? Like, can, do you feel like science can unite the world? Um, yes. I mean, I think, you know, science is, is, not a, is not a cure-all, you know, and there's, you know, when you go out there, you can say there's good science and bad science, and, you know, there's challenges in terms of what research comes out. Um, and, in fact, one of our, you know, one of our campaigns is called Ask for Evidence, where we actually, you know, support the public to challenge any sort of health and research claims that come out in the news or adverts and, and really ask about, um, you know, having them justified. But I, I do think science is actually, yes, it is the best route to unifying it because those scientific principles of, of asking questions and being open to be challenged and being open to change your mind when when you learn something new are the critical part because I think if everyone can kind of agree on the approach mm-hmm. then even if we have different you know uh, passions or we have different desires for the outcome we can agree on the approach that's the best way I think to kind of come to a compromise and as a solution um, and I think but I think it's also worth acknowledging that can be really hard. You know, we have researchers who, you know, who face hostility and, you know, some face, you know, threats uh, when they share what you might call con- uh, consider uncomfortable truths. Um, so, for example, last month with the journal Nature, we awarded the 2020 Maddox Prize, um, which every year goes to a researcher who sort of courageously advantage- advances the public debate in an area um, by bringing sound science and evidence to the discussion despite the challenges. And this year's winner is uh, Dr. Yukaria Nwaichi from mm-hmm. Nigeria, who's a, just a fantastic example. She works in the Niger Delta to clean up land polluted by oil spills, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, you, you know, if you're thinking about the controversies there, but she's brought local communities and oil companies together with science by everyone agreeing to work out what can help the soil recover. Um, mm-hmm. So there, I think the, the science is the common language and the common good. And, you know, although there's huge debates about whether, they, you know, whether there should be oil exploration and who gets the benefits, you know, she has managed to bring people together when it comes to the discussion about how do you repair this damaged land? How do you make it fit again for growth and local communities? So in that sense, I think that objective approach and agreeing a principle together can help unify Great. And um, living in today's fast-paced world, how can we practice open science? Open science? I mean, it's a good question. I think 
you know, we are in, a, in an information age, and I think everyone should have access and be able to engage the science. And, and then that's a matter of making it accessible and making it accessible to all. Um, so we, for example, um, run lots of public engagement partnerships where we work with community groups to create making sense guides. And we've produced these on, you know, hot topics like artificial intelligence, data science, um, COVID testing and conspiracy theories, and also things like nuclear power and alternative medicine um, to really kind of come up with a guide that everyone in everyday life can use and is focused on, you know, I think the key part is it's focused on what does society need to know, um, what questions do we need to be able to ask about this to help us, rather than it being focused on, you know, some guides are about what scientists really want to share with you. Um, because we're conscious that, you know, that there is that gap and, you know, that's, I think, you know, where sense about science works hard to fill. Um, so, for example, we are what accounts inquiry um, earlier in this year, we looked into how well government evidence served society during the COVID pandemic. Um, and that really showed that there's hundreds and thousands of people out there who are having to interpret data, mm -hmm. um, rules, and make really complex decisions and trade-offs in, you know, really complicated situations. So we need to empower those people with the information and access um, the resources they need in a way that works for them and, um, again, is focused on, I would say, you know, when, when we share data, uh, when people share data, it's not about putting out as much data and information as possible. But, you know, I think big agencies should think really their job is to help answer the socially important questions with evidence, you know, and sometimes just swamping people with lots of stats is not the way to do that. Um, but it's helping them make those trade-offs and balance different bits of information and risks, for example. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Dr. David, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us your time and explaining, uh, you know, what you're doing, what great work you're doing. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. 0208687778 is the number to call. You can also... Uh, tweet us or you know send us a message on Instagram on on you know on socials and we would we should discuss it here we would discuss it here yep so so moving moving forward um, you know of course we were uh, we we delved straight into you know the the obvious question <laughs> yeah. of science and religion where you know whereas um, you know I think the 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 thing is the 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 need for inquiry right the need for um, you know the need for search to you know to, to to reach conclusions and, and and the very fact that we have advanced and we've re, we are where we are you know in 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 this century in the in the in this time is based on you know uh, our ability to question yeah. and our ability to um you know not just settle on on what we had let's say inherited from you know our elders yeah. right or you know previous scholars there's always i always say there's always room for you know further research there's always room for further you know, look, looking into matters, and and that that's the very fact that, you know, the world, uh, you know, it, it is where it is. But but then there's another aspect of of science, you know, especially with regards to you know, you mentioned about nuclear, and you know, uh, what has what has that done to the world now, and where the world stands mm. at this day and age. So there there are also grave dangers too, um, you know, um, with these advancements that that can't be ignored. Definitely, and you know that's why this this day exists, right? To to promote peace and development. Mm -hmm. and, um, 
by linking science more closely to with society, you know, World Science Day for Peace and Development aims to ensure that citizens are kept informed of developments in science. It also <coughs> underscores the role scientists play in broadening our understanding of the remarkable, fragile planet we all call home, and in a, making our societies more sustainable. That you know, this day actually offers the opportunity to mobilize all actors around the topic of science for peace and development, mm-hmm. whether that's government officials, whether that's media, whether that's school pupils, right? So I think that um, as you mentioned, that you know that curiosity, that um, to, that that desire to discover, I think it's encouraged mm-hmm. by religion, which Absolutely. I'm sure we'll go into more detail. But it's encouraged by religion, so that's why we wanted to promote and. Uh, share this day that is being celebrated on on the 10th of November mm-hmm. um and you know uh, i think that for example you know peace in in society as uh, hitoshi uh, muriyama uc berkeley professor of physics uh, said on october 20th 2014 mm-hmm. at the un uh, peace is about different nations working together toward a common goal rather than fighting against each other. Development is to bring the state of humankind to a better and human, humanely acceptable condition from what it is today. And I think that, you know, science, you know, we discussed the difference and how it can be at odds, but actually science can help you, you know, the principles of science, of, of investigating, of discovery. I'm sure you went through different scientific um principles when you were compiling the history that we're going to discuss later right like of course the, of course it's that inc- there, there's always a way in which you you know a methodology you yeah. say of, of of work and um you know just you know that's, let's just say you know something very interesting within islam is is compilation uh, compilation of um hadith which we refer to the sayings of the prophet yeah. if one just looks into it there is a science there's, there's, a, there's a particular science known as uh, asma'ul rijal right where you know uh, the individual that for instance because it's all, all narration based Rahil heard from Fahim Fahim yeah, pro- yeah. heard from so and so and it goes back to the Prophet right mm. and and there's a whole science whether that individual even lived at the time where he's saying to be or that individual that is he's saying this statement what is his character what are people saying about him in his time so there's all of these things and, and it, it couldn't have been possible right without people having to use this, this, scientific, this scientific method Right. So, so I mean, you know, for, for for someone to just come and say, look, you know, religion and science is in odds. Right. It's it's not really a fair statement. I think there's a lot more in common, uh, you know, than in my opinion, than than there is, you know. Definitely. And um, I think we should highlight the, the Science for Promoting Peace and Security uh, program, mm-hmm. the SPS. Um, the SPS program promotes civil security related practical cooperation based on scientific research, innovation and knowledge exchange. It links the scientific community to NATO through civil science cooperation that addresses emerging security challenges. Mm -hmm. Through SPS activities, civilians, including researchers, academics and experts, play an important role in helping the alliance identify, understand and respond to vulnerabilities and threats. And like... I think that that's where this is this is quite uh, interesting, right? The mm-hmm. the the science it enables us to uh, 
is is aiming for peace, right? So we've got mm. peace and development. How we can use science for both of those, and I think that this uh, organization, the SPS, is is designed to do that. And um, I'm sure you, you want to discuss some of the uh, the highlights of the SPS programs activities, mm-hmm. right? Um, like the response to terrorist threats. SPS program um, is mm-hmm. d- is supporting the Dexter detection of explosives and firearms yep, yep. to counter terrorism mm-hmm. of course of course yeah you've got you've, you've got of course you, you know you mentioned their uh, response to terrorist threats uh, you've got security related advanced technology where uh, there, there there is a program which is supporting research and development projects as well as knowledge sharing in fields relevant to ongoing discussions on emerging and disruptive uh, technologies such as you know quantum uh, technologies uh, autonomy artificial intelligence uh, that's a dangerous one and 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 machine learning right um artificial yeah. intelligence it's it's uh, it's 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 uh, it is it is quite dangerous as well as i was saying this they can also help i feel like um mm-hmm. you know i i've i've worked for tech companies okay. uh, focused on ai and i think that uh, the predictive nature of them can really advance and no help doubt help. but what about like if i was asking about robots doing certain, yeah. like especially uh, military Right, robots in place to you know fight these wars for you. Mm. What would you say on that? That's that, that that's something different. I'm talking about more AI and how it powers loads of things. So, for example, AI mm. is using data and analyzing that data at a quicker speed than humans yes, can. Right? That's true. That's so. If you've got the data of a whole load of NHS patients, and you run that through a model, it can see the connections between uh, like all the people that had um, heart attacks mm. and use that data to potentially predict in other people so th- in things like exactly, that yeah, AI that's is very beneficial. Really beneficial yeah, yeah no, no no doubt but there's al- there's always the other other side yeah. as well uh, of course they, like for, goes, for, for instance the the nuclear and en- en- energy right mm. the amount of e- you know electricity that we could we could create from it or the amount exactly. you know you we wouldn't need to import it or anything Instead like of that it being a weapon of mass destruction exactly so so, so 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 my point is look these things are often you know they come to surface or you know in in good faith but then you know it there is always the other element uh you know there but you know we can discuss that further i think we do have on the line with us our next guest we yep. have mahida rahman raja who is a phd student a part of uh ahmadiyya muslim research research association amra as they refer to it assalamu alaikum may peace and blessings of god be upon you and welcome to the drive time show Thank you so much for joining us. So we're discussing science, uh, you know, especially promoting peace and development. Um, you know, talking about AMRA, we, you know, me and Fahim know what AMRA is, but yeah. you know, for uh, you know, external listeners that they have never heard of it, what is AMRA and what does it actually do? Um, so AMRA stands for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Research Association mm-hmm. and it's actually an organization within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community which encourages Muslim youth, mm-hmm. men and women alike, um, to pursue careers um, or degrees in academia and research mm-hmm. and basically just initially just push the boundaries of human knowledge. So our membership is wide-reaching, incorporating all levels of researchers mm-hmm. um, in all fields of research. So we're talking about the typical STEM subjects like theoretical physics, you know, renewable energy and medicine, mm-hmm. but also, um, you know, social sciences as well. So we're thinking economics, theology, and the ancient languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are very few subjects that I don't think are, that are not covered within AMRA's wider membership. Um, AMRA is unique, though, because it's trying to focus on this aspect that faith and science mm-hmm. can be aligned. 
um, and most of our researchers are encouraged to use their faith as mm-hmm. a guiding principle or light for mm-hmm. the scientific research or for the research that they're doing. Um, and our our caliph, um, His Holiness Mirza, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, has actually set up the goal to become world leading experts and eventually to have Nobel prize winners like Dr. Abdul Salam. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Abdul Salam himself was also very motivated by his faith, um, inshallah. Very interesting. Hopefully, um, yes, yes, yes. I mean, this is uh, it's it's wonderful uh, in the work that um, you know is happening right now uh, that that is taking place in you know, in terms of research, um, you know, and of course in other endeavors too. Um, what role, you know, personally speaking, what role has you know science ha- actually played in 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 your life? Um, I can honestly say that science has defined my life. Oh, At okay. least I can say it's defined a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean this as a researcher, obviously. Um, I genuinely had never thought that I would go into you know, doing a PhD and pursuing such a science-heavy subject. Um, so I do an amalgamation of biology and genetics mm-hmm. with computer sciences. Um, and it's something that you have to prepare yourself for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even from a very young age, I had to be very um, on top, I would say, of all of my sciences, mm-hmm. um, as well as my, <coughs> um, you know, like my math, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just making sure that I was able to stay up to date with everything. Um, and it was even like, um, I, I didn't choose to pursue the science as mm-hmm. such. Um, it was Hazur who saw me presenting in classes, etc. All of this scientific knowledge that I was gaining, who then encouraged me to pursue science. So, on, on like a personal level, just the fact that I, there was some interest and in I kind of just, you know, avalanched into something greater. But mm-hmm. also, if you think about it, on a day-to-day um, time, technology is like everything now. Data and technology mm-hmm. is key. Um, so, yeah, science plays a huge role in my life. I would say. Very interesting. Right. And um, so this year's theme for uh, World Science Day is Basic Sciences for Sustainability, Sustainable Development. Um, How do you think that that was going to benefit the global community, not just the scientific community? So I think the most basic thing to remember is that it's going to be raising awareness. We kind of tend to throw the term sustainability around, but we don't really think about what it actually means. So one of the biggest and most beneficial thing it will do is it will raise awareness of this concept of being sustainable, not at just like, you know, experts talking about sustainability or the government talking about sustainability goals, but on kind of all levels of the community. So kids, um, you know, kids in school are going to be learning about World Science Day, they're going to be learning, they're going to be learning about sustainable development. So it's going to start from a young age. And eventually, the hope is if we infiltrate this concept of sustainability and sustainable development, we can, you know, make sure that this culture stays so that, you know, not only can we um, use it uh, for ourselves, but so that our future generations can not only survive, but also thrive, um, you know, in the world that's coming up. Right. And so how can science help promote peace and unity in society? So I like to think of this from a technical aspect. Um, Science is a kind of concept that crosses borders. And, you know, the way that research is done, it's actually quite a unifying thing. 
thing. So think about it um, like if you take the COVID-19 vaccination example. So there's obviously a competitive nature of, you know, big pharmaceutical companies trying to come up with the vaccine, right? Um, and then we're not going to talk about how the vaccine was rolled out, but just creating the vaccine. And if we look at the example of the Pfizer vaccine, I think it was, which was made in Germany by immigrant scientists who were actually of Prussian and Turk origin. So already just seeing that, you know, immigration can also have like a successful or a positive impact on not only a country, but literally the whole world. It's the most popular vaccine um, out there. Even now the boosters are all Pfizer. So the idea is that these this kind of concept is already drumming up acceptability of different people moving in different places so you know you have like people even who are not then scientists can still accept that you know there is this unifying aspect that just because someone may look different or has different beliefs um at the end goal is still survival of humanity you know um ensuring health and that kind of unifies it Another kind of thing you could think about when you think about science is um, people do their own individual research. But when they're presenting, they present to anyone. So I have gone to conferences abroad and loads and loads and loads of speakers come to my university to present to us their work. And we don't really care about where they're coming from. For us, it's the research that they're doing. And that's kind of the unifying aspect when you're not looking at your differences, but trying to find common ground to progress. And finally, if you think about it, there's not just, you know, I'm very focusing on the STEM sciences, but there are the social sciences. And literally the work of social sciences is to understand our differences and our similarities mm. and then to unify us based on, you know, both the pros and cons of our similarities and differences. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Very interesting. But I do, I do have a last question, if, if, if that's okay. I mean, you in your, you know, you know, professional capacity, you, you know, you've said, you've said you're, you're, you know, doing a PhD. Uh, you're part of the AMRA, uh, you know, association as well. So when, you know, when this question of religion and science uh, comes with regards to, you know, when people say there's contradictions and, you know, that whole question around it, how do you actually approach it? What has been your experience, you know, growing up? Uh, of course, you're, you're, you're someone, you know, who is religious, of course, you're, you know, part of a religious community. How has that been? How's that journey been for you? Honestly, I would say it really depends on how much knowledge I have mm. of the topic that's being like that's being said on hand. Because a lot of religious, I always believe that a lot of religious um, literature mm -hmm. can be reinterpreted to make whatever you want it to make sense to. Which is why you have such extremists on both sides. So you know there are Christians who will say, you know, God created the world in seven days. Mm -hmm. um, or Muslims saying, you know, this is not possible, you cannot, you know, do blood transfusion, something like that. Mm -hmm. But if you really look into the literature, you need to realize that the Quran was revealed, you know, thousands of years ago to minds that were not as evolved as ours. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's very difficult to explain to them the concept. But now, if you read those same words and actually understand, even like the little, um, you know, like the Arabic, connotations behind just one word mm. you can see how it actually does relate to this concept mm. you know life or even like the big bang theory is a really good one because it you know it just talks about expanding and collapsing which mm. might you know, seem like shrinking and you know getting bigger to the mind two thousand years ago who didn't understand like the examples mm -hmm. of the god mm -hmm. particle etc 
Um, so yeah, I think a lot of the times it's not like don't look at surface level. If you're looking at science at such a deep level, you also need to focus on literally every word and every connotation mm -hmm. um, of the religious text that you're aspiring to or reading. Very to interesting. Yeah. Very very important point because I, I think it's often the case that there's there's a lot going a lot of your research is in, in you know in science you're, you're reading scientific books and you're doing all of this research there when it comes to religion you you only have belief you you only have things which you have heard you've not you've not gone to the depth that is required uh, you know um in you know in both fields in order for you to you know reach a sound conclusion so thank you so much uh, jazakallah for joining us today mahida it was a pleasure speaking to you assalamu alaikum thank you wa Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. We only have about fifteen minutes left, and the time has basically flown by. Flown by, and and uh, there's a lot to discuss. So we were at you know SPS program act activities where we're discussing you know some of the highlights of this program where mm -hmm. you know cyber defense. Uh, you've got you know crisis management, security implications of COVID nineteen pandemic, defense related security capacity building. So you got all of these things going on, right? Yeah. And then you have open science. What is open science? Well, the theme for 2019 uh, was open science leaving no one behind. Mm -hmm. Open science is the movement to make scientific research and dissemination accessible to all levels of society, amateur and or professional. Uh, it could lead to a sustainable future is by helping to capture the experience of indigenous peoples in future assessments of climate change and to reflect indigenous indigenous knowledge of on a global scale it could help to do away with the old rivalry between western science and indigenous knowledge systems the divide between science and traditional knowledge is largely driven by the inability of experts on both sides to fully understand each other's concepts academic texts on indigenous knowledge systems have almost ex exclusively been written by western scientific researchers mm -hmm. um the this not only acts as a funnel for traditional knowledge but it's only one-way street without mm -hmm. a good understanding of science by traditional knowledge holders there is no way for the two knowledge systems to work together effectively and sustainably so like if, it, if it's like if it's filtered from a, from a western lens if that's all where it's come from you, mm -hmm. you're not seeing both sides and science itself tells you to exactly, test and, yeah. and iterate and look at the different ways as well mm -hmm. i mean that's that that that's so true and i think another point uh, before we go to our next uh, guest is is that open science can can actually help to alleviate you know this issue by open you know opening science up to uh opening science up as we were saying so that a more diverse group of people can mm -hmm. you know have access to it you know in, in, including traditional knowledge holders and you know other uh, people and this, this could basically drive understanding, encourage collaboration between scientific researchers and, of course, traditional knowledge holders. Um, with that, we'll be going to our next guest. We have on the line Varda Khalid, who is a BSc chemistry student. Uh, Assalamu alaikum. May peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Wa alaikum assalam. for joining us. Um, so, being a STEM student, how how significant is 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 actually science in your life? Um, very. In my professional life, my job will quite literally be all about science. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I'm a chemistry student, so uh, I love the idea of being able to just turn something you can't even see into something tangible and useful. And mm. that's how I look at everything 
all the things, whether I'm cooking or whether I'm cleaning, there's all these different mm -hmm. chemicals and materials. I look at that with the eye. So it's something that I love and it's a very big part of my life. Interesting. Right. And um, the World Science Day, which is celebrated today, is for peace and development. What are Islamic teachings regarding peace in society? Um, in a simple sentence, it would be that peace can be achieved if a person realizes their true potential in life, uh, which is to recognize the true God of this world and to understand that our purpose is to follow him. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, the person isn't selfish and goes after materialistic things and these kind of things are what greed, um, greed and inequality and more. Mm -hmm. But there's also other things that Islam talks about, such as establishing um, true respect for others, regardless of differences, or having a system of equity and fairness between people, and quite controversial, but also there are teachings about punishments in order to keep the peace literally in society. Very interesting. Um, lastly, we did want to ask you, um, how does the Holy Quran actually aid uh, you know, scientific developments? Um, I think so. An example I can use is of um, animals. Mm. I think um, Islam has always talked about the, the very strong dependence humans have on animals, and we can see that clearly through the use of animals in testing for scientific uses, for medicine, for food, for anything really, anything we use have probably mm. come through before being tested on animals. And oh, I, rem I think I remember a quote from a doctor from Damascus University, I think Dr. Muhammad Ajazul Khatib, and he said that there are 250 legislative verses in the Quran. And comparatively, there are 750 verses which are all about studying nature mm. and reflecting on it and finding things from nature to help humanity. And uh, I was also hearing about you talk about kind of the... Um, Western um, uh, development in science compared to um, development science from other cultures and um, mm -hmm. history. And we can see that in our history, uh, the Golden Islamic Age consisted of advancements in science among maths, literature, even art and surgery and everything. Mm -hmm. And this is significant because the reason they achieved this was following the injections of mm -hmm. the Holy Quran. Absolutely. I mean, that was their more more motivation. We could, you know, we could clearly see, and 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 then on the opposite, the the decline in that, you know, scientific pursuits or you know achieving anything anything great. I mean, recently, you know, uh, you know, the very not recent. I mean, by this age, but the one that we know with regards to you know achieving anything uh, within science from from a Muslim background is is Dr. Abdul Salam, and and we often present him. But I think. One of the things that one of the, one of our previous previous guests, um, you know, Mahida, who's part who's part of the Amra Association, was saying that is 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 his holiness desire, and he's given this, he's given this, um, and I, uh, you know, I, I remember his his recent trip to, to the USA. He mm -hmm. had a meeting with the, these 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 Amri scientists, and he says we need many Abd Abdul Salams, so we shouldn't just be content with with you know with the idea of, you know, scientific you know golden age of Islam. Uh, that should actually motivate us. It should have motivated us to, you know, to be able to present new theories and you know new, um, you know, outcomes and conclusions. So thank you so much, uh, Varda. It was a pleasure speaking to you, and all the best with your studies. Thank you.
السلام علیکم زیرو ٹو زیرو ایٹ سکس ایٹ سیون سیون ایٹ سیون ایٹ وی اونلی ہیو اباؤٹ ٹین منٹس سو ایف coming back to to the islamic point of view um you know talking about um you know helping to improve our chances of sustainable future remember we were referring to that earlier um and also dismantling colonial structures that persist in you know societies politics econ- you know uh economies of the world of the of the muslim world um it it was it, it is narrated by abu musa may allah be pleased with him that, that the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam may allah be pleased uh, may the peace and blessings of allah be upon him said The example of guidance and knowledge with which Allah has sent me is like abundant rain falling on the earth some of which was fertile soil that absorbed rainwater and brought forth vegetation and grass in abundance and another portion of it was hard and held the rainwater and Allah benefited the people with it and they utilized it for drinking making the animals drink from it and from irrigation you know of their land for cultivation and a portion of it was barren which could neither hold the water nor bring forth vegetation then that land gave no benefit the first is the example of a person who comprehends allah's religion and gets benefit from the knowledge which allah has revealed through me the prophets and learns and then teaches others the last example is that of a person who does not care for it and does not take allah's guidance revealed through me he is like that barren land this is from sahih al-bukhari So I mean we we've we've discussed much today you know with regards to promoting peace and development and especially you know speaking to these guests you 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 kind of realize and understand that that science as is often portrayed it is not in contradiction with religion or with mm. with muslims right uh, you know we've been part of science we you know we've actually contributed uh, so 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 how is it the case that you know that we you know we get such this this idea that there is you know a great let's say um divide between divide the two between the side yeah no because um even with religion also you know uh, talks about sustainability and development and peace right and mm-hmm. this this theme for this year's world science day i think has is a good one right it's 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 basic science for sustainable development and i think people can underestimate the impact of it Mm-hmm. I think the impact of science on uh, you know things like mm-hmm. um medicine industry agriculture you know water resources energy planning environment communications and and culture mm-hmm. so I think that basic science sciences have been instrumental in fighting so many things like you know covid uh the pandemic mm-hmm. and it was basic sciences that actually allowed us to know that the infection is caused by a virus mm-hmm. uh what the virus looks like what the genetic sequence and its variations are mm-hmm. so if it wasn't for uh, if anyone wants to say that science cannot help with peace or or, or development i think that they could just look back at this pandemic and realize absolutely um, and you know basic science are instrumental in all areas of our lives you know the world wide web um which we use on a daily um and um it was uh, it's it's just so impacted and and integrated sorry into mm-hmm. our lives that i think that making sure that it's available and accessible to everybody will mm-hmm. impact the world in a good way Absolutely. and bring about peace and development very interesting i think one of the things that we 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 do need to highlight and point out is the fact that in chapter 3 verse 111 uh, 
Um, Allah the Almighty you know, tells the believers, the Muslims, that you are the best people raised for the good of mankind. Why is the question? Or what's the, you know, what is the criteria for that? It says you, join, you enjoin what is good and forbid evil and, and believe in Allah, i.e. you benefit mankind. So, uh, so, in, so, so it, it has to be the case that if Muslims are you know, you know, following the guidance of God, that they would be advancing in these you know, scientific developments yeah. and um, things that actually help mankind. And then, you know, talking about uh, Islam and science further, the Holy Quran emphasizes on the laws of nature, you know, with, with, with examples drawn from cosmology, physics, biology and medicine, you know, as, as signs for all people. It says, let's say in you know, chapter 83, verse 17, chapter 88, 88, verse 17, it says, can they not look up to the clouds, how they are created and to the heaven, how it is upraised and the mountains, how they are rooted and to the earth, how it is outspread and i think it, it it goes back to 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 that verse um of the holy quran the, the pur- purpose of mentioning or referring to you know these different uh you know laws of nature uh, where Almighty says that those who remember allah while standing sitting and lying on their sides and ponder over and ponder over the creation of the heavens and the earth why again is the question yeah they say our lord thou hast not cre-, they, they reach this conclusion mm. if someone truly you know ponders over the uh, over the creation of the heavens and the earth, he will reach this conclusion that this has not been created in vain. Hmm. Right? It says, Our Lord, thou hast not created this in vain. Nay, holy art thou, save us then from the punishment of the fire. So what we're saying that, here... That really th- resonates with you. Sorry. I, th- that really resonates with me because it's like, when you see how beautifully like connected and the way this world works and how every part of it is designed with such intelligence, mm-hmm. you cannot sit there and think that this was just created by chance yeah. or this was not created with any thought or mm-hmm. like uh, it, you know it's it's so connected and so and I think that science helps with that once mm-hmm. you understand the science of things the way things work and the way things are, you know operate, work this, yeah. operate in this world you will be consistently amazed and realize that this this world was created for a purpose mm-hmm. and what was that purpose? Well, it's you recognizing your creator, right. uh, recognizing your creator, yeah. because you know the very fact when we say recognizing your creator, worship all these words we use, it, they should not be interpreted to mean that what we see with our eyes in, in terms of people bowing down, standing up, you know, raising mm-hmm. their hands. That's not what it is. It's mm-hmm. it's utter, it's total obedience, because the very fact is that you are going to have a god in some way, form or another. It could be your desires, mm-hmm. and, and this, this is the verse of the Holy Quran. You know, what, the the example of one who takes. Allah or God as his God and you know he uh, someone who has created him knows what he needs and you know submits to him that that's the very understanding of yeah. being a Muslim man aslama wajahullah who turns his whole attention to Allah to, yeah. to God right or one who you know who follows his desires yeah. and this was Satan and you know the, yeah. all these inferences that we we find in the Holy Quran is basically that is then of course translates to jihad mm. <laughs> another yes. word that's often misquoted yeah. is that struggle that your whole life you're going to be going through that struggle yeah. between right and wrong. You could be tempted by all of these Allah has placed in us, you know, fujur, meaning, you know, uh, the, 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 the understanding of good and bad is there. That struggle is always going to be there. So, um, you know, this is, uh, of course, we are discussing science and, and how, you know, it can improve uh, in, you know, how it can promote peace and development um, and of course whenever we do discuss any topic we do you know explain the uh, Islamic concept and the Islamic understanding 
because we believe that it, these topics do not just, you know, um, relate to you know the worldly knowledge or you know the usual discussions that we have. They go way beyond. Definitely, and I think that you know, if there's one thing you're going to take away from this show in particular is that I think that science. Um, Mm-hmm. shouldn't be the if you're a religious person mm-hmm. you you shouldn't disregard <coughs> science yeah. and if you're a, a scientific uh, minded person you shouldn't disregard religion absolutely very very uh you know balanced point there um you know another another verse i do want to present quickly it says and the heavens he has raised high and set up the balance so that you may not exceed the measure so weigh all things with justice and fall not short of of the measure so it says the arabic word mizan uh, you know, you mentioned in this verse can be translated as balance, measure, equity, the mean, uh, the middle path, and incorporates the concepts of judgment, equilibrium, and reason argument. Uh, it is derived from the word wazan in Arabic, you know, which which literally means weight, and and another, uh, you know, basically same root word for mauzun as well. Um, so, I mean, there's so much that we have discussed, and there's so much that we could have discussed, but we are coming to the uh, end of the program now and yeah. in today's show you know we we've gone over the dire need you know th- for world's peace and and, and how these uh, the, how the SPS program as has has actually helped and are helping in 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 maintaining it you know along with the world science uh, day which is celebrated on every 10th uh, of november the quranic verses mentioned throughout the show concur with the findings of science that the universe is dependent on series of laws which rely upon balance and equilibrium. Similarly, our world and the way it should run, i.e. absolute justice and equity, which leads to peace, can only be achieved by restoring and maintaining balance in society. So with that, uh, this is all we had for you today. If you haven't listened, if you're just joining in, please uh, do listen to this program again and give us your feedback, uh, what we could have discussed or what we, we, you know, we, we may have missed out. Questions you have. Exactly. So with that, from me and Fahim, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and here is news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show. We're here in the second hour to discuss uh, something quite close to my co-presenter, uh, Heel's Heart, because it's something that he's worked on for a while, and I think that you're all going to enjoy how how it came about and, and what we can learn from it. So, wh- what is it that I'm, I'm referring to here? It's the immediate history of the community website. Um can you actually believe that the the origins of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, which is re- represented in over 200 countries today goes back to a small village in rural India in 1989. The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, himself preserved the history during this time. It is acknowledged by Johannan Friedman that the community is one of the best documented movements in modern Islam. So I have I have my guest 
guest and co-presenter. <laughs> I think um, I think you, you're playing a double role today, huh? Yes, uh, it's it's quite it's, it's quite weird. Yeah. <laughs> it feels really strange, but 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 there's, there's, I feel like there's no one better to to discuss this with because I, th- yep. I think you you've worked really hard and I've seen you you go through a lot of it. So mm-hmm. let's let's start off with uh, what why is compilation of of the immediate history important? Like, uh, you know, what was what was the reason? Like, I think compilation of i mean history in itself is mm. is um is very important um because they say if 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 you don't learn i think there was a quotation i came across of the promise of cyprus upon him where he says you know where we we can never you know forsake uh you know the the, the authentic traditions um and you know our history yeah and 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 his holiness as well in 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 his friday sermons you know you you've seen you've seen probably for, a, for for quite a long time now there's series of sermons which is speaking about the time of the prophet and the companions yeah. and basically relating this this historical accounts uh, not as chronology because chronology is this happened that date yeah. and then you know next year this happened and that happened but there's there is a greater context and purpose because that those historical uh, accounts serve as uh you know serve as uh, as our identity mm. and 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 serve as a guidance for us in you know in in this day and age for instance when he's speaking about um you know the example of obedience at the time of the prophet or you know yeah. the, the amount of love that they had for the prophet or the amount of love that they had for god and religion and, and what they sacrificed for for it or when, when he's speaking about how the prophet well, with his kids, with his, with, you know, with his wife, with wives, with his companions, or when when he went to the war, how did he behave? All of these things are are not just you know narration, you know, pure narration based, where you just hear and you're you're amused by it for for a particular yeah. point of time, and then after that you, um, you know, you you basically forget it. So that there's that aspect of yeah. of compilation, but there's another aspect, um, you know, which is which is very important is is, is we know history, uh, you know, some something that is given, especially in, the, in you know here as well in in the in the West. Um, you know whether uh, you know whatever history it is you know of 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 the world it 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 is preserved you know people have gone great length in in finding out what actually happened in in in, in the past and it ba- ba- basically explains to you where you're going in the future mm. right definitely and so cuz you know history teaches us so much and mm-hmm. um i i'm intrigued how how did you go about this task like how you know, what means were deployed for the for this task? Yeah, I think before before actually discussing that, something in, interesting I, I must say is I've I've I'm not someone who's studied you you know history, let's say in, at a university or anything like that. You have probably right. <laughs> so it, it's it's interesting because from within the community, you know, you know there there's a system of jamia where you know where you dedicate your life, you go there, you study for seven years, you come out, and then you know uh, based on where the caliph's khalifa says or where he appoints you, you serve. Yes, you serve in that capacity. So I've never really liked history. Let me be very <laughs> honest with you. Like you know, at school times or yeah. anything like that, I've never been really interested in it. Um, so when I was initially posted, I was. Uh, Quite, I wouldn't say you know. Although I was praying that you know I'm able, but I was just thinking how am, how am I going to do this or yeah. how am how am I going to find to you, right? exactly yeah. because my whole understanding of history at the time was chronology. Yeah, the reading this happened at that time or this happened right. It, it but the, but then when you get into research and and there's always things that have not come come about or uh, you know the true understanding or essence. Uh, you know, um, there's more to be looked into, right? Yeah. And when you when you find certain things, then it's it's sort of a kick, and yeah. and, and 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 you want to con- continue with it. 
Definitely. Well, history is is a bunch of stories. That's why stories <laughs> in the name, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but um, you asking me about means employed, yeah, right? Like um, how how did you go about it? Because it's not easy to go and you know document mm. such a you know as we mentioned, it's uh, represented in over two hundred countries today. Um, yeah. So and it's, what since nineteen eighty nine? So yeah, that's so a long time. Yeah, exactly. I think one 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 thing to clarify here before. Before that is 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 the role that I have, or um, in the capacity capacity that I'm able to serve, is basically compiling the history of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in UK. Yeah. Although it relates to our you know our, our our since you know our history since our inception, yeah. and and this is what the first volume or the current history website, um, which is history.ahmadiyya.uk, if you go on it, you will find that the first uh, you know sort of research of you know about 22, 24 articles that are there. Are just on the life of the promised Messiah peace be upon him. Yeah. Um, so, so what that includes is his, you know, in in his life, his, you know, his claims, uh, his interaction with the West, right? Um, some of the people that he 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 communicated with here. Uh, it's like pre arrival to UK. Pre arrival, yeah. So, 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 so before the arrival of actual missionary in 1913, yeah. we're talking as back, you know, as far as 1885. And this is what His Holiness, I think we're going to discuss further, actually mentioned in his sermon, mm. that his message actually reached the West. Uh, as a, as you know, as soon as he had claimed to be the reformer of the age, you know, he and 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 we found certain during this research found certain examples of that being mentioned in certain um, certain certain newspapers, um, because because why that is important and and I think is is the fact that it it kind of makes us understand our purpose here, which is not just this this you know this you know acquiring of this material materialistic life, right right, yeah. which is you know which is there's nothing wrong with. Uh, you know, desiring something better. That's what you know. People migrate, and this is this is what mm. the you know prophets did as well for better conditions. But there is a greater purpose than that, and that is you know too because there's a prophecy of the of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, and that's something that his holy um, the Prophet Musa actually mentioned, and that's uh, there's something very interesting that comes to my mind is when um, so the second missionary after the first you know often what happens is you know the very first individual who did anything is is quite often remembered, but the second or the third is not yeah. as you know as well, gains that much prominence in, in, uh, in yeah in, <laughs> in exactly in in people's minds. So there's someone called Hazrat uh, Qadi Abdullah, uh, who was also the companion of the Prophet peace be upon him. He was sent by Hazrat Muslim, uh, the second caliph of the Hamdiya Muslim community, right? And uh, when he was sending him to the UK. Um, you know, he basically, you know, gave him some just advice. To, just to clarify, this is the first or second missionary? This is the second. Second. Yeah. So he came in September 1915, right? Mm -hmm. So before actually, you know, departing, he his his holiness actually gave him certain, uh, you know, certain guidelines. You could you could say, you know, be, be, before he actually left, and it's a long sort of guidelines he gives, but he he basically, you know, uh, says to him that you're going to the west or you're going to these countries. Not to be conquered, but to conquer it. And what he mean by conquer is not not how we understand yeah. in, in this context, but to conquer the hearts of people. Yeah. And he says the West is, you know, very much proud of its its. We were discuss, discussing science before, right? Yeah. That that it's it's uh, you know advancement in science, and you know all of these things. Then you shouldn't be disheartened because once you have the true knowledge of Quran and you know of Islam, then you would be able to win the hearts of people. And 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 this is something that's that's that that is the purpose of you know our arrival basically understanding, and, and making the youth of especially the youth of our community, aware of the you know aware of their history and purpose. Yeah. 
uh, and a lot of it relates you know relates to other elements you know certain allegations upon upon the life of the promised messiah when you look into it you know deeply because on the surface they seem as allegations but when you look at it deeply they actually turn out to be the signs for his truthfulness so and we can discuss of course that you know further fur- further on of course definitely and um so just just quickly with the, with what type of things did you do to 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 do this task and okay yeah um and how well was the history already pres- preserved before you you started yeah so as i said the the history of the community um was preserved in the time of the promised messiah himself mm-hmm. so he you know in, he initiated uh, you know two newspapers within his lifetime one known as al hakam um and one is known as al badr right um, these are both these were both urdu urdu newspapers mm-hmm. at the time of the promised messiah and and that basically covered his daily activities and whatever was happening at the time you know speeches and all of these things and then f- this, this is a primary source material as we as you refer to it and then you know from that you as we know within the community mal malfuzat later compilations you know taken from that and compiled yeah. in a uh, you know typed up properly and and ba- basically for the community to read and then you had ad- other books such as you know his um his actually writings which are known as ruhani khazain now right um so so 80 plus book books within you know within his lifetime that yeah. he you know the service of islam that he did so all of these things were were actually you know being com- being compiled at the time of the point of society upon him and then we had you know work that was happening uh you know in in different times right um you know we had work that was happening in rabwa this is in pakistan where the compilation of you know wider history was happening and there's still a department um history of ahmadiyat worldwide department so the history of um the website that we're discussing covers just the uk history so the covering uh you know as 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 I was saying earlier the purpose of our arrival here and how the ahmadiyat muslim community was established and and you know now we see these mosques all right the, the, we've got so many mosques here yeah. such a large community so what were the conditions in which these earlier missionaries came how did they live you know and uh, what were their experiences like so all of these things are basically covered in that right and so i think i think we haven't told the listeners that it was uh, actually um inaugurated uh, and and launched by the uh, by the fifth caliph of the amdia muslim community just on friday so mm-hmm. how how did that how significant is that and how did that feel i mean that's there's no, no, nothing compares to that i mean um, those who are part of this community know that he, uh, he he's a spiritual father someone that we love more than you know our material you know our, our physical father and, uh, and 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 mother because he's there for us you know you know for everyone whatever guidance we need you know we and we especially in this country are truly blessed that we're able to you know we able to get that so that guidance was always there so you know we you, I, you know i had certain audiences where i could ask questions and and you know his art right letters to him for his prayers and stuff so when we had completed this project so in, in, in initially what we had done is formed a uh, we had written the first volume just on the life of the promised messiah peace be upon him you know from his uh, from his claim to his dim- demise right and you know that in this day and age re- reading i'm not saying people don't read books people do read books but the especially from the youth there is not that much attention towards reading books and and there is a thorough process of you know how you know strict process of you know editing and reviews yeah. and all these things so that's all, all already happening that's yeah. that that's there so we thought why don't we convert this this research that we've done uh in form of a website yes. easily you know accessible to the youth and 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 in a form that is uh Go to the whole world exactly yeah. uh, e- easily accessible um so that was that was basically the purpose so this website was actually um you know shown to him 
you know, presented before him in an audience. You know, he, he saw and he, he was very pleased with it. And and then you know we requested the official in- inauguration, um, which 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 means a lot for us, of course, yeah. uh, because uh, the, the the renown or the you know, you know the um, uh, that that he had gotten now, you know, because His Holiness had uh, inaugurated it, we would never have been able to achieve that, you know, if we had just launched it, you know, ourselves. Yeah. So sometimes, I, and I and I, and I must say this in life, you have to be patient. Yeah. And you think, and I I I I must say this out because I don't want to go into the detail um, of things, but. Sometimes in life you have to be patient. You have to be, you know, you have to persevere. You have to pray, and and there does come a time where Allah Almighty blesses you in ways which you don't imagine. Definitely, and um, we're going to go to our next uh, esteemed guest, uh, Nasiruddin, uh, the Vice President of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association UK. Assalamu alaikum. May uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. Welcome, Salam. Jazakallah for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. Uh, we want to start things off with uh, asking how important is it for members to know about the history of the establishment of the UK, Jamaat? I think for, for members and for non-members, it, the, the importance is to understand the purpose of why this the Ahmadi Muslim uh, community had established a mission to promote the true Islam in the UK and the West. And for that, I think as uh, your previous speaker, Raheel, would have said, that the idea was to go back to the origins of the community and to see how the founder, Hazrat Mizra Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, what what was his role in uh, defending Islam and promoting the true teachings of Islam, not just within uh, the Muslim world, but outside the Muslim world, which was in, in that time, which was the mm-hmm. heart of Christianity, was the UK. And what we found was that um, what the British Empire had some good qualities that it allowed the freedom of speech, especially as the Mizrahi Muhammad of Qadian Hazur has said, that it, it allowed us freedom of speech and freedom of religion. But at the same time, it allowed also for the missionary movements within Christianity to come to the shores of India and to, and to the Muslim world. And what at that time, the Muslims were really in a desperate situation where mm. they had large numbers of them had left. Uh, Islam and had joined and been converted by uh, onslaught of missionary army. I would say that arrived from the UK and as Bishop, uh, I think Lafroy is his name. He he he's claimed that he would convert large numbers of Muslims in India to Christianity, which was occurring. So at that time, the onslaught was totally against. It focused at the Muslims, and there was nobody really that was standing up to the accusations and inaccuracies that they were giving about the Holy Prophet of Islam, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and also the teachings of Islam. And what happened was that suddenly, Hazrat Mizrahullah Muhammad Qadian alone at that time stood up to the onslaughts of the Christian missionaries and literally stopped that wave. And as his community grew, with the, the strength of that community was that it, it attracted genuine human beings that were looking to, to reconnect with God Almighty and the Amni Muslim community was established as in 1889. But before then, Hazrat Mizrahullah Muhammad of Qadian had many debates with the Christian missionaries. And in, in the UK, and this is the, 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 your question, it was reported widely that a man, widely throughout the villages, through the towns, all the, through the newspapers that, that have been accumulated, that we found that a man has claimed to be the Messiah or that he has challenged the, the, the Christian bishops and he's also... Um, challenged the divinity of Christ, and that that in fact 
Jesus is no longer in heaven. He's actually buried in Kashmir. So these were things that mm. were like bombshells in in the in, in the in the in Europe. And these this thought had not arrived here. And he, the, the Prophet of Islam, Hazrat Mizrahi Muhammad, he sent leaflets and letters to very to dignitaries and to newspapers, which were then published. And many people in the UK, we, we as the history will show wrote to him, some accepted his message, but also were endeared then to the teachings of Islam. And for the first time, in, especially in the UK, in England, or Scotland, or Wales, or in Ireland, the, the, the mention of Islam was done in a different tone, with respect, whereas before, the tone was coming from the, from the missionaries. So it's very important that the establishment of the, the we accept that the establishment of the message of Ahmadiyya was done at the very at the hands of the holy founder of the Muslim Jamaat and Sayyidati Hazrat Ghulam Ahmad, and then it extended the mission. And this is the fulfillment, fulfillment of the Prophet Ali Prophet where the where Islam would rise in the West. And exactly as we saw, the the tide turned from the onslaught into the east of the Christian missionaries. The Ahmadi Muslim Jamaat sent missionaries of Islam to promote the true teachings of Islam with very humble upbringings, humble funds basic needs that they had was just to have a roof over their head they mm. came they arrived on the shores of the uk and other parts of europe and promoted the true teachings of islam many of them were companions of the uh, of mr Muhammad of Qadian and other mr Muhammad, and they promoted the true message of islam here in the uk and as the next volume will show and as the uh, updates will come on the website mm. you will see many English Muslims that uh, that um, in British British in individuals that became Muslims that accepted Ahmadiyyat and that were champions of Islam and they wrote many articles in the Review of Religions and they they challenged the, uh, the 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 doctrine of divinity of Christ here in the UK in particular and 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 this will show that the establishment of our forefathers to come here was to spread the true message of Islam and the Ahmadi Muslims that are here in the UK. They need to realize that that's the only mission that we have. Many have, many are benefiting from the benefits of having good jobs and and and, and, and have settled here Definitely. and into the society. But the purpose of our being here is really to promote the true message of, of Islam. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Definitely. And um, so, could you could you share us uh, share with us about how your family settled in the UK? I mean. Like many pioneers, who, who, you know, the, the Jamaat had humble upbringings in terms of that they financially, uh, the, the finances around that to, uh, to what we see today, the infrastructure that was set up by the second Khalifa and, and, the, and the Khulifa over time and the financial situation of the community after the demise of uh, Hazrat Islam and then after the demise of the first Khalifa, uh, was, there was the, 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 it was not so strong. So. Members of the Jamaat volunteered to add this, to give their services on their own expense to promote Tablig uh, and my elders also, my, my grandfather and others, came to the UK in 1920 and 1919 to, to spread the message of Ahmadiyyat here in the UK. And can you tell us some of the, the sacrifices that the elders of your family made for the betterment of the community? I think the biggest thing to, uh, that... Um, Especially Ahmadis who are born Ahmadis and Ahmadis who have elders who are Ahmadis should remember, and also today for anybody that converts, is that the biggest sacrifice is to leave the majority to go to a message 
where at that time, uh, I mean, I was fortunate that my, my, my grandfather, great grandfather, they accepted that at the hand of Azmus Islam. Mm. But that, the greatest sacrifice is to leave the majority in, in when the whole world is against not only uh, the Prophet, the Messiah, the Mahdi, but is, is, is against also anybody that joins him. They're ostracized and that they, they say, we don't want to, we want, we, we want to go from, you know, people, in, in, you know, youngsters, we say, don't, don't become rebellious. But but here were people who were who were regarded as rebels, but they were they were leaving the norm to go to, to something better. Whereas normally, when someone rebels, it's to go to some chaos. Mm. And that mean that meant that they the sacrifice of all early converts, especially, and as we saw at the time of the Holy Prophet is that they had to face with very little what the infrastructure of the Ahmadi Muslim communities today is much much different. At that time, it was. They were. They, it was the, the God Almighty's grace that allowed them to face such onslaught. It was, can you imagine that on one side you have the Christian missionaries trying to convert Muslims to Christianity mm. and attacking the Holy Prophet On the other side, you've got the Muslims that are attacking the Prophet Islam and his followers and his Khulafa and the people and the converts as well who are being who are, who are accepting the message are being attacked also by their own family members and widows. And that's the sacrifice. And then. They, you know, and they gave up everything financially, whatever they had, physically their time. Members of families who went for, the, for to preach the message never saw their uh, their families for years, you know, for you know for many years. And when they returned back to the shores to to meet their families, within months they passed away of, or a, a few years later. And that's the sacrifice of so the families and also the those converts that accepted Hazrat Muhammad at that time, but who also are accepting today. So this is something that I think is an ongoing process. And for born Ahmadis, mm. I would say that you, this is why it's more on your shoulders now to continue this mission, if you live in the UK in particular, yeah. of what your elders have did. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and on that note, um, how, how, how are you continuing the, the le- legacy of the elders who first came into the country? I mean, as I mentioned, you know, we are one, I mean, Amir Sahib UK, Rafiq uh, Ahmad started the a new program in the UK that young youngsters should be should be coming regularly to the mosque with their with their parents uh, for prayers. Mm-hmm. They should they should engage themselves in in activity of the Jamaat, especially now that COVID is over. And in Masjid Fazl, which is in in, in Putney, we have um, uh, weekly uh, daily classes now for the Holy Quran that have started, which were uh, which were online as well with other activities. But uh, the main message is to attract your children, come with your children to pray at the mosque. And that way, you can serve the community as they go, as they they become, they they, they mature. They will they will look at the, the high moral values of the, the teachings of Islam. They will have the direction of the Khulafa. It will enhance their lives, and they will be able to serve the community better. And I think that our elders did that to us. Um, and I feel that I'm I'm blessed that my father, my mother, and my my my, my friends and my who 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 are now also serving the community. Had realized their mission was to to take up whatever time they had and whatever they had financially or physically to the best of their ability to to give that time to the service of Jamaat and I, and I this is the same message I would give any young father and mother who is Ahmadi uh, to, to to have your kids connected as we've been told by the the, the Khulafa and our elders that you must keep them connected to the Ahmadi Muslim Jamaat you should inculcate in them that self sacrifice is what is the spirit of self-sacrifice is a messiah. Is what the Messiah has taught us, and the first Messiah did the same. You know, you give up what you love 
for yourself for the sake of others. And in this time, in this society we live in, one has to give up really the material world, what they, what one could love for the mm-hmm. sake of Islam. And I think that that's really what what I would encourage our members to reflect on on, yeah. on these teachings and to, to do that. And this is a messiah teaching. Definitely, and, and we're seeing people reap the benefits of those sacrifices for sure. And um, what difference has has the Khalifa residing uh, in the UK made for the community? You know, what, it's like it's unimaginably. Um, it's very difficult to explain. You know, when you have got a light that is, you know, at, at such close hand to members of the community, a light that that, that, that where the attraction of it is so strong that it attracts good people from around the world that come to visit him and those that are, who visit the mosques, especially with the Khalifas and take his guidance at first hand and have the ability to connect with him, really benefit from that light. And the, the, the change of the personality of an individual is dependent upon the love that they have for the Khalifa. And when the Khalifa is in the UK and we see him regularly, and if, as I mentioned, if you have the ability to go to Islamabad now that is open, or at least to watch the sermons and, and interact with letters, uh, etc., you, you will have that. But when um, Khalafat came to the UK, there has been, you know, like the seed has grown so strong into a big tree now. You can see the infrastructure of the UK Jamaat, the way that our youngsters are are coordinating Khudam, Lejna, and in, uh, in the other auxiliary It's a much stronger community that we have. And it's really the blessings of having a Khalifa leader mm-hmm. that has been able to guide us firsthand. And so we have been blessed. And it's made, it's also attracted many people here to come to the UK and they have added their value to society. It's yeah. not just for our community, but professionals of all types, uh, doctors, um, other types of professionals mm-hmm. have come to the UK to settle there for the reason that the, the, the Khalifa Ahmadiyya is live, residing in the UK. They've brought their families up from Europe, from all over. And their children have, have benefit, are benefiting society, not just our community. They're serving the poor, they're serving the needy, and it's all because of the Khilafat and the direction of the Khalifa. They're educated, they're adding value, they're, they're, they're contributing to the civic society, contributing to the taxes of the nation, working in, in very prestigious and high environments, but with the ethos of truth, you know, they're the honest yeah. individuals that help society. And this is all because of the blessings of Khilafat here in the UK, I would say. Thank you very much um, for your time, Nasir Deen, respected with Nasir Deen, Vice President of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association UK. Thank you for your time. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. That was uh, Nasir Deen, the Vice President of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association UK, who really showed us, uh, you know, first-hand experience as well mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, his uh, family having come. Yeah, to I the mean, UK. I, I, I must state he, he's, he's, he's part of the project. He's been there since, since the beginning, even before, you know, I, I, I joined. Um, there's been elders that have been working on this, and I, and I think it's only fair that we, 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 we mentioned there, you know, the, the, the compilation process is not something that's done over days. It's, yeah. you know, it, it takes years, uh, decades, right? Um, and, and exactly th- that was the case. There's been many people who've, who've contributed to this. So, you know, yeah. may Allah bless their efforts. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he's been part of it. He's always been very supportive and, and, and truly un- understands and, 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 and is able to, uh, you know, convey the purpose of, yeah. of this work. Because as I was saying, 
uh, at the very beginning that that we we had to differentiate um, our purpose. That it's not just mere you know uh, compiling you know compilation or of, yeah. or collecting of sources yeah. or you know or or main narration of you know chronology. It's it's, it's much more greater than that. Definitely, I think that it <coughs> provides the context, which is which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, so, where where did the idea come from? Like, well, you know. Yeah, as I was mentioning, the web the website was, um, you know, as I was saying, we had the first volume on the Promised Messiah's life, his interactions with the West. Mm-hmm. He was mentioning, uh, you know, Nasiruddin Sahib, um, the Promised Messiah's debates with the Christian clergy within India, um, the onslaught that was that was coming from the Christian missionaries that had went to went to India. Um, although the British, uh, you know, provided freedom, yet you know the 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 resources that these Christian missionaries ha- ha- had as compared to the local population was incomparable right and 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 due to the you know some of the beliefs of you know muslims especially with regards to the ascension of Hazrat Isa they were able to convert you know hundreds of thousands of uh, muslims to christianity because they they were able to yeah. prove the superiority of Isa upon upon the holy prophet uh, peace be upon him so 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 the idea was as i said was to convert that research into um, articles in, into online research. So we, we've we, we've made a timeline. Um, we've made a timeline online. Um, you know, on 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 this effort of the Promised Messiah. You know, from the beginning of you know 1885 up until his demise, his interactions, his debates. People actually came from the Western world to Qadian. Look, Qadian yeah. was not a a place of tourism. It's it's a it's a it's a village that yeah. nobody knows, right? Um, so the question is, why were these people actually going to Guardian? Yeah. Right. So we had we had we had people who, out of curiosity, actually went and said, "This guy has made a, such a big claim. Let's see who it is." Yeah. And there were some who had written polemical work. You know, they went and they had an interview with him, the, some of these Christian uh, missionaries of the time. And we've looked into their work as well, whether the the analysis were fair or not. So all of this research is, and then we had people that actually came, mm-hmm. and actually accepted him. You know, they, they met him and they asked him questions. Uh, and questions just not of religious nature, of scientific nature, yeah. right? Relating to all sorts of things, and they, you know, they saw that this 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 person has this heavenly light, you know, that personality. So, for instance, we had one individual, Charles Silverwhite, who came from Australia at 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 that time, and and he says that you know his meeting with his uh, you know Mirza Ghulam Ahmed in 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 Qadian was was something that he you know he cannot compare to anything else, right? And he goes he goes when eyes looked into eyes. Like he goes, when I looked at him, mm. he, he goes, I, I knew instantly that he's from God. And he knew me to be, uh, you know, Abdul Haq, a slave of truth, someone who's seeking for truth. Yeah. So I think that's very important, the intentions f- for which we actually are trying to, you know, ac- acquire something. So, yeah, I mean, that that was the purpose of, of collating all of that information mm. and presenting it in a manner which was easy for people to read and for for, the, for them to understand and emulate in their life. Um. And uh, j- just the the idea itself, uh, where did where did that come from? Of the website, yeah. Oh yeah, the idea actually uh, it was just random. I mean, uh, there, some some someone had actually men- mentioned that you should look into the the um, you know the uh, the website, mm. right? Um, uh, I mean, the compilation idea. I think you're referring to right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the compilation idea actually um, um, you know started at the time of. The fourth Khalifa, yeah. um, Hazrat Mizar Tahir Ahmed of the Andalusian community, and and 
he basically gave you know instructions uh you know to to compile the the history uh, of the uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community throughout the world so there was uh, and this was in preparation for the commemoration of the you know Ahmadiyya centenary jubilee which 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 took place in uh, 1989 because the community started in 1889 yep. when we say community started in 1889 is when the prophet Messiah took his uh, bath we say yeah. initiation you would you well, would say made his claim right? he, yeah no, no not not claim oh. but this is when he actually or when he took his first uh, yeah initiation into yeah, the yeah community. initiation yeah. into his you know his fold yeah. so and and then uh, the director of foreign affairs we say you know the tafsir we refer to it there was a letter sent to various countries where this, they you know it had said to you know instructing them to basically form a history committee to collate their historical records and then of course a you know a brief draft of that history was compiled and sent to to uh, Pakistan at that time which was the head headquarters in in yeah. in, in Rawa for their record but then that was the initiation right and then that basically developed into you know more research more work happening over time and then this basically uh, you know just you know took a lot of pace at the time at recently 3 4 years where we where we had a lot of information yeah. going up to the eight, 80s the coming of his uh, the, his holiness um the the, the fourth khalifa fourth himself Khalif, yeah. you know when 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 khilafat actually came here in i think 84 uh, if, I, if 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 i'm not mistaken um but uh, you know um when he actually came he came here but 3 4 years ago we realized that it is it is paramount uh you know need that we actually do a a deep dive into the life of the founder himself you know his interactions with the west and and his understanding of of uh, and we uh, you know this is this might be very repetitive the purpose of our arrival it, it yeah. very much links to that yeah. because anything else is as i said is mere chronology is is yeah. is just just mere narration of his history it's just facts exactly yeah, facts and figures so yeah. there, so there's something great to there definitely so bringing it bring to uh, something a bit more uh contemporary and recent um the mm-hmm. website documents how prophecies unfolded mm-hmm. there's something <coughs> significant about this year 2022 Absolutely. and yeah. uh, alexander dawi could yeah. you uh, explain for listeners and, and give a bit of context as well yeah of course so so um his his holiness the promised messiah peace be upon him in his life um he was not the only one claiming to be from god you had other people who would who who had similar claim mm. uh, right you had um Dawi uh Alexander Dawi in 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 America Zion to be particular in Chicago who basically started as an authoritative uh teacher and then he claimed to be the th- uh, the um the third arrival of Elijah right, right? um and uh, you know and then the first apostle right um he was basically claiming to be god and he was he was basically publishing a lot of material against islam and i'm i'm just summarizing this yes. uh, people can read this on on online and so the promise was i actually challenged him and said if 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 you're saying you're from god then i have a similar claim so in that sense we should uh, do uh, you know we should do this by praying to god that whoever is yeah. whoever is true and 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 from god then the false uh, pretender should die within his lifetime yeah. um and uh, this exactly was happened and he not only replied to the challenge in 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 a very harsh you know very disgraceful language but he also you know continued with his with his propagation and he in i think it was 1907 um to be you know precise and and many numerous newspapers not just within within um, within america mm. you've got, you know you've, you've got pictures published but first he was an answering um they actually published about this challenge yeah. and um, international coverage international coverage and, and then he basically according to the prophecy uh you know died uh, in the lifetime of the promised messiah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in 1907 but what's relevant to as you were mentioning to 2022 yeah. 
is the fact that uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community US uh, were able to build a mosque in that very city where the individual was claiming to extinguish Islam yeah. from the face of the earth. And and His Holiness, his, his fifth Khalifa of the Promised Messiah actually you know, himself went there to inaugurate yeah. that mosque and he delivered, you know, a Friday sermon there and there was this, you know, whole, uh, uh, you know, ceremony that that took place which not just invited the Ahmadis but, you know, you know, many members yeah, of society yeah, um, from that, from, from that very city. And um, so it's not just uh, with, with any uh, claim, there's always going to be people who, who are opponents and have objections. So mm-hmm. we, the website also answers some of these other opponents' objections, uh, such mm-hmm. as the those that arise with the challenge to John Hughes Smith Piggott. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you, you've done a lot of look, looking yes. into this, so I think that if you could share um, what people say and what uh, the website explains as the historical significance. Yeah, evidence. so 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 um, it's it's very interesting that it's coming. Uh, it, it basically happened at the same time. So both the the warning to Dawi and Piggott. I'm just summarizing this. Yes. Um, went at, at well, the, everybody has a website to go read it. In yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Went at the same time. So this is 1902. Um, the Prophet Messiah is informed about. Uh, there could be a month's difference, but he's informed about you know Alexander Dawi and Pegasus. So Pegasus also sent this warning as a challenge. Um, but the the outcome of you know the the response of two individuals is very different. Yeah. The claim of Piggott, if we just look at it from uh, you know from 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 the outset, is is a greater claim than Dawi because Dawi is just claiming to be uh, the first apostle or the third uh, you know coming yeah. of Elijah before the coming of you know Christ. But this individual is actually claiming to be Christ himself. Okay. He's saying I'm I'm Christ, and and, and of course in a Christian sense, I.e. is God as well. He's claiming divi- divi- okay. divinity. So he was warned, uh, and um, there was a letter that was sent by the f- very first letter was sent by the companion of the Prophet Muhammad, Mufti Muhammad Sadiq, mm-hmm. anhu, who sent and, and and he said, look, if if you're going, to, he says a lot of these things to you know to not do, to, you know to take back this claim, and of course, it, and then he says, you know, right at the end, if you persist on this, then as a God, you should decree and 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 not just decree, but inform the Prophet Messiah, uh, uh, so that he should also pray. Um, you know that whoever's, as I was mentioning earlier, mm. is false, uh, should die within the lifetime of a true uh, claimant, yeah. right? So, but but the thing is, as I was mentioning, the the response from both parties were um, big difference. Big difference. Yeah. One one actually replied with 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 the foul language, with foul yeah. language, whereas the other went into complete silent. And and his whole practice of picket actually became secret. Secret. And and we and then um, something very interesting that we looked into, uh, which has never been looked into before, was a court case. I mean, people do did did know about this court case that he was defrocked from the Church of England, mm-hmm. uh, based on immorality. There was immorality charges upon him because he was at the time residing with other women, you know, other than his wife, yeah. and he had children uh, from 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 that woman. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but but that court, the proceeding of that court case actually um, proved the 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 you know uh, what we were presenting, right? Mm-hmm. That that his whole practice at that time. Basically, was 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 in secrecy, and he wasn't after his initial claim of 1902 in Clapton. He never repeated that claim again pu- publicly. Inside the four walls, nobody has the right to in, from from the Islamic principles as well. Uh, you know, in relation to any, any anything else, we we believe that that is for God to judge in the hereafter. What one does in you know in in public is yeah. to be you know is to be yeah. scrutinized and looked into. Yep. So that was the case, and uh, basically we reached that same conclusion. And and the bishop himself basically in his verdict announced that many will be surprised that this individual is not being charged under blasphemy, 
but rather under so so we had this question of why why wasn't he why wasn't he charged with blasphemy if he was so adamant as some of the opponents of the community say you know yeah. in, in propagating his claims and stuff so we came so the bishop reached the same conclusion and he said that a lot of these reports about the agapamon they were referred to mm. he says they only exist in the imagination of the writers IDs, the newspaper reports they're writing right. by they only you know, they only exist in their imaginations whereas if he was adamant we you know we we say that he would have been charged for blasphemy and that would have proved that he was his, his obstinance and you know his his yeah. uh, that he's adamant in this claim of divinity so so the whole allegation of that the promised Messiah died in 1908 where he died in 1927 therefore from you know god forbid promised Messiah was false but that whole research of you know 35 to 4 uh, is about 35 pages we we also recorded a video for those that you know are, are not very fond with reading right <laughs> so they they can actually watch the video uh, and 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 basically uh, reach conclusions themselves yeah no definitely the evidence is there absolutely um after some hard work mm-hmm. and um so the website also uh, documents the debates uh, the promised messiah um yeah. And Islam had uh, with Christian clergy. Can yeah, yeah. you give a little? Yeah, as brief? Uh, you know, Nasisa was saying uh, earlier that that this was a time, you know, onslaught of Christian clergy. So we found numerous letters from Christian mission, missionary society, which was so there, there was various different societies that were working at the time. So there was the um, uh, American Presbyterian, you know, society church that was working. You you had you also had the church. Uh, the church, uh, the Christian Mission Society, the CMS, as they're referred to. So we came across a lot of the letters and a lot of the uh, correspondence that they were having. So these missionaries writing back to their their missions about this man, Mizakullah Muhammad, and what they were actually writing about him. Yeah. That in itself, you know, proves his his efforts in 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 actually defending Islam. And you know, you you have numerous uh, such examples, but one is that of uh, the Bishop of Lahore, who was um, R- R- Reverend Lefroy. Right, okay. he he basically delivered two lectures, in, in one of them, uh, he, which was entitled "The Innocent Prophet," saying that only Isa alayhi salam now, uh, Jesus alayhi salam is innocent, rather all of the prophets are sinners, right? And then um, and then he was about to deliver the second lecture uh, on a similar topic, the living pro- uh, prophet, again referring to that the holy prophet has passed away, all the prophets have passed away. He is the only living prophet that's going mm-hmm. to come back. So the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him wrote a reply which was read out by his companion of the Imam Sadiq which was reported in British newspapers at that time in um, in the UK as well basically giving testimony to the fact that it was only the companion of this man Mirza Ghulam that stood up and un- un- answered the bishop then the bishop was challenged to a debate or, or, or a discussion which he totally ignored and didn't want to come against the Prophet yeah. Um so all of that you know um, from the church missionary intelligence uh, and then you had all you know some of these uh, you know, reports that are writing about the Promised Messiah. You know, this man. You know, what what efforts you know this individual is doing, and then you have the de- 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 debate with Henry Martin Clark. Uh, you know, which in, in one of these, and I, and I do want to mention this. It says a controversy with the Mohammedans, uh, and 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 it basically reports mm-hmm. that uh, the uh, the gauntlet uh, thrown down produced a great uh, consternation. It says uh, the Mohammedans were aghast. What could they do? And yet something must be done. They addressed themselves to various societies for the aid of Islam, okay, and bestirred themselves to find a champion, but none appeared. Yeah. Three weeks went by, the the wager of battle still lay unaccepted. Jandiala Mohammedans were in dire straits when, to their intense relief, they found a defender in a certain Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian. So this was the promised Messiah, yeah. peace be upon him. You know, at a time where you know these, indiv- these the, all these so-called clerics are referring to him as an 
as a heretic and all of these things yeah. where they themselves don't have this courage to come against these uh, Christian missionaries yeah. based on the very fact that they 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 had certain beliefs were, which were totally in contradiction to the uh, the Holy Quran and Islam mm. and which were giving favor to these Christian mission missionaries in converting uh, the, the Muslim population to Christianity. Yeah, really interesting. And um, so what what would you say is the significance of Brahini Ahmadiyya and how it was received both by Muslims and non-Muslims? Yeah, Brahini Ahmadiyya was, let's say, uh, a magna opus. I mean, it, it was the first, uh, you know, uh, upon a word was defending Islam as early as, you know, uh, 60, uh, 1867 on, onwards. He stayed briefly in Sialkot where, and then he would have discussions with Christian missionaries there. And then after he would write certain articles uh, in defense of Islam, which was pu- published in the newspaper that, you know, at that time, sometimes not with, with, with even with his name, because he didn't want any renown. Hmm. But then at the time, uh, this was in, I think, in the 18, uh, you know, uh, 80, the, you know, the, the first two parts of the book were Brahim Ahmadiyya were published in 1880, the third was published in 1882, and the fourth in 1884. And I'm just briefly mentioning the first volume, you know, put forward a challenge to the followers of any religion, that if on behalf of their faith, they could present one half or one fourth or even one fifth of the excellences that he himself proposed to produce as the basis of Islam, that then he would give give the one, one, you know, who duly responds to this challenge, the possession and the right to make use of my property at the time, which was worth 10,000 rupees. So he challenged these people to come forward, that yeah. you're, you're attacking Islam, but I've, that he, the, now I've written this book. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, his, uh, his fiercest opponent, who later we know as um, Muhammad Hussain Batalvi within our com- community, you know, who, 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 who published this edicts, uh, edicts of disbelief against him as well. Yeah. He himself says this, you know, in writing a review on this book, he said, in our opinion, it is in this time and in present circumstances a book the like of which has been has not been written up to this time in Islam. Wow! Right. So for this your opponent to say that. Yeah, for an <laughs> opponent to say that. So that 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 says a lot, um, you know, about um, the caliber of you know f- from the poems of Sayyid Islam. No, look, the whole point is that from from the community's perspective, someone who believe in him, you know, no matter what, if even if they don't come across these. Uh, you know, of course, these uh, evidences or these proofs or this new research, it does increase their faith, sure. But it is for it's mainly for externals to see and judge. You know, especially the Muslims that this, what this individual was doing at that yeah. time. When we say that the Messiah was going to come and 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 serve Islam and defend Islam, did he do that or not? And and in in what capacity, right? Yeah. So so this is what you know. It covers it. There's there's so much more that that I can mention, but of course. Yeah. Considering time, oh, um, for sure, and um, you know, this is this is why it's so important because people can see for themselves. They can take the time. They can look through the website and, yep. and understand it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to move on to to an allegation that's often um, mm-hmm. given against the Promised Messiah and the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, that um, God forbid uh, he was an agent uh, planted by uh, the. British yeah, yeah, yeah. to revoke the doctrine of jihad yep. from the minds of Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, can you please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this all begins, you know, in uh, some summarizing again, 1857, the mutiny, as they referred to, right? Mm-hmm. There's still um, discussion within within. Uh, there's no, uh, you know, among the Muslims within us, we know as as Muslims, if as long as there is a government or uh, you know a ruler among you who grants you freedom of religion. And you know freedom of beliefs, yeah. then you are not allowed to stand up against it. Yeah. This, this is a principle of Islam. 
So this is why in, in, in India, not just the Promised Messiah, but there were many other, Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan, right? Um, Molvi Ismail Shaheed, who some actually even called reformer, who actually stood against the t- uh, tyranny of uh, the Sikh rule. But at that time, there was there was the British rule as well existing in certain parts of the world, especially the British India uh, think company at the time. Yeah. And, and he basically wrote that you cannot... Uh, he gave a fatwa in in a way that you cannot uh, you know attack their places because they they do not interfere with your religion yeah right so so this is this was the same belief that that, that the promised messiah islam had presented now what happened in 1857 is it wasn't just the muslims who took part in this so called uh, you know freedom of uh, in, you know um, freedom uh, fight right yeah. they 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 were hindus there were other you know fra- fractions there there were other people from 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 that society yep. but the main blame uh, actually you know th- th- they referred to as struggle but it, it but it was the muslims who were viewed as traitors by mm-hmm. by the authorities and there was you know there was books such as indian muslims uh, written by uh, w hunter um, who at the time was the president of Edu- uh, Edu- education commission he basically depicted the muslims as people bound to rebel against the queen because of the erroneous concept of jihad mm. right so so the very understanding of, of you know to revoke jihad from the minds of muslim here is an individual who at at one place is saying that based on the freedom that's been provided by this authority mm. based on that freedom i am able to challenge their beliefs yeah. i'm able to uh, you know challenge these christian missionaries and and, and reply to them yeah. right he he praises that and 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 on the other hand based on that freedom as well you know you see that he's able to defend islam in such a way that these christian missionaries had no response yeah right that that they they separated speechless. yes huh. they separated him from everybody else hmm. now there is a there is a there there's a certain quotation by um, you know we recently published it on our on our instagram page as well you know for yeah. people to go and read and i i think i could i, I should quickly mention men- mention this as well and what was what's the instagram uh it's uh it's history of ahmadiyya uk mm-hmm. okay so please check that out yeah yeah please check that out um now uh, basically you know a christian mission missionary is is saying that although you know there are other uh, muslims who believe christianity to be wrong and you know uh and islam to be right but you know this individual uh Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, right? He's found this truth that that Christianity lives or dies on on Christ's living and death. So 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 yeah. this is being mentioned in their books that this person to to totally focus on the death of 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 Isa al-Islam is not something to be taken lightly. Yeah. Right? And and this is something that's re- reported in their in in their own works. So how can someone be an agent of someone who is clearly stating that Uh, he's, clearly, he's, he's clearly is, he's clearly <laughs> how can you someone be a, 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 you know an agent when he's clearly ga- going against their main purpose which was to yeah. convert these people to Christianity and guess what they said and this is some some something that's part of our research as well we mentioned yeah. they said that the only way the only way we can win the loyalty of these people is to convert them to Christianity <laughs> right and that's why there was so much effort put into place that the only thing that could guarantee the loyalty of these people is for them to be you know become christians yeah so so that that puts into perspective uh, but but there there's a whole detailed you know research that people can read awesome uh, and um so going back to the the website uh, you you also document some of the lives of some uh, pioneering from, missionaries and yes. early early missionaries why is that important uh, mm-hmm. that's um, <clears throat> yeah exactly again the purpose mm. you know the purpose the purpose the purpose as, yeah. as you know we, we we've said it a lot of times 
is basically to under understand their struggle and and what they had left for us their sacrifices and and in conditions that they they actually came here you know a time when it took a, a, you know an individual a month some of these individuals actually came here during the second world war when the war was actually happening wow. risking their life uh, you know where you know um, of course they're coming by sea and they don't know what next moment has yeah, they, has they for them they didn't have planes flying them over exactly. uh, you know and and it's, and, 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 and it's taking them a month and then of course the whole change of diet and everything and the conditions and for 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 instance um and there's a war going on yeah, exactly fatima musial sahab who was who was the first missionary that came in 1913 he had an eye problem which 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 when he came here which persisted for a very very long time so there's all of these struggles and despite these struggles the efforts you know to convey the message of islam it's not a, an an ordinary thing mm. especially when we look and and there's something ronjeeves has written a book recently ronjeeves um, on islam and britain Mm. on on the Indian Muslim and he says this was the first concentrated effort by the Indian Muslims to convert the British republic islam had always existed here in in yeah. but it was through trade alliances and all of these things but there's never been a missionary excursion from the east towards the west it it it, it was by the ahmadiyya muslim community wow. so that is something that's huge and for our community to realize no really important and you know to understand the struggles and uh, to learn about them is is really eye opening um mm-hmm. and uh the project also uh, interviews some of the elder elders of the community can you just tell that how how that experience was yeah yeah it's just it's just uh, you know basically sitting down with them and 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 giving them importance and 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 learning from the experience you know some of the things that they were going through and and that's part of our uh, digitization project project as well that we con- conducted Awesome. Well, it sounds like it's uh, it's been a successful project, and you know you can uh, visit the website. Please make sure you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just want to. That's that's all we have time for today. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, we can always talk a lot um, about this subject, but um, it was decided that this detailed research on Promise Society's efforts in conveying the message of Islam to the Western world was a paramount need in understanding the purpose of establishment of the first external mission outside india therefore we want to end this show with with the prayers uh, the prayer his holiness hazrat mirza masrur ahmed may allah be his helper prayed at the launch may allah the almighty enable this to be a source of benefit for our members and also the non ahmadis so um we just want to thank our producers um faiza mirza and faiza imkhan and zainab fatima um thank you to everyone thank you to my uh, guest slash co-presenter um it's re- it's been a real uh, honor and privilege to to be with you guys today um and we'll leave you on that uh note and have a great rest of your day assalamu alaikum assalamu alaikum